Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and for the last 400 episodes, I've been asking people how they got into punk or continuing conversations about how they got into punk in some cases. And uh, it is a honor to be here. I, I can't believe we made it. Uh, this thing started after I got fired from much music. Once much music kind of kicked me to the curb, I was just like, fuck it. Let's start a podcast. I was a huge fan of Cole Cabana's podcast and remain a huge fan of Cole Cabana's podcast and the way he interviews people and, and Wei Ting and John Pollock's stuff over there. Well, back then at the law, but now at post wrestling and a, a massive fan of my buddy Danko Jones's stuff, of course. And he had had me on his podcast twice to interview Chris Jericho and Duff McKagan. And actually I'd, I'd made a couple other appearances with just himself and my buddy Nick Flanagan as well. And, uh, yeah. And of course the best show, obviously the best show as well. And being a fan of this stuff, I, I realized like, oh geez, you can make entertainment. You don't need a, a network behind you. And it was kind of my way of, of, of trying it, you know, it was an experiment at first and it's been a lot of fun. You know, I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people through this thing. It's really brought me a lot of joy and to do at different times. It's also brought a lot of stress and a lot of heartache and probably ruined some friendships. I know definitely ruined some friendships, but, uh, you know, more, more ups than downs doing this thing by far. Uh, more recently, it's been a pretty tough time around the podcast, uh, losing the Vans sponsorship, or I, don't, I shouldn't say losing the Vans sponsorship, but we, we, we parted ways with Vans and, uh, I think it was, I think a lot of people thought there was a lot more money involved than there was, but there was a little bit of money to help keep the lights running on, uh, or running at this place and, to help pay for the bandwidth and all this sort of stuff. And, uh, losing that has, you know, made this thing go from once again, something that didn't cost money, maybe even paid a little bit of money to being something that does cost money to do, which I'm kind of happy to keep doing it because, you know, it started as an experiment and then it moved into uh, a, a joy to do. And then it moved into kind of a job, maybe a little bit, you know, certainly a part-time job for a while. And then it moved into a burden for a second. And now it's moved into an addiction where I can't stop myself from doing it. The reason I've rushed to get this 400 episode out is because there's so many episodes backlogged right now that need to come out and there's more that I want to do. There's tons of people that I want to do episodes with and I just haven't gotten around to doing them or haven't had a chance to do it or just schedules haven't aligned or I haven't asked them or, you know, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot that has gotten in the way of getting all these other people that on the show that I want to get on the show. And one of those things has been this episode 400, which if you listen to episode 399, I made, I made big, big promises for this thing, which is always a mistake. Uh, and there were some really cool plans for this thing, but unfortunately things started falling through and, you know, schedules being what they were, I decided rather than wait around for it, I would put out what I had done for it, which winds up being a fairly somber interview with Fred Harmison. I think he described it as one of the weirder interviews he's done, but, uh, 
or maybe that's me putting it on him, actually. Maybe he didn't even say it. it was one of the weirdest interviews he's ever done. It's definitely one of the weirder Fred Armisen interviews I've ever heard because, uh, yeah, I was just in a really weird place that day. Not a, not a great place mentally. And, you know, it just, uh, it, sometimes that bleeds in. Sometimes that bleeds in. And there's going to be a lot more stuff in addition to this conversation with Fred that I think would have balanced it out. But, yeah, it's kind of fitting with the mood. You know, I don't know how much I feel like he's celebrating. Episode 300 was, a, was you know, a, a time of great joy. And this tends to be a time of less joy, I guess, for one reason or another. Uh, but I got to get into the thank yous, though, because this is definitely a moment of joy being here on episode 400. And this thing would not be possible without my brother who produces the show with me and certainly books all the guests for me and really does a lot of work chasing down a lot of these people and believes in this show in a huge, in a way that I don't believe in this show even, I think. Um, so thank you, Tristan. This thing would not be on the air without you. Uh, also Bo Belinsky, uh, who has come on board recently and really kind of helped me try and figure out getting everything going in this podcast in a way that it doesn't <laughs> cost money to do. <laughs> Uh, and so thank you both for putting up with my, my, uh, uh, craziness, you know, it's a, it's a lot of craziness on my end. Uh, also I got to give a huge thank you to my, 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 my man, Brian Schwartz, uh, who has supported me and put up with my craziness <laughs> in a lot of ways for a long time. And Amy Abrams and Kim Ross also for putting up my craziness at very, with my craziness at various times as well. And helping me do this thing. Also, all the people that you hear on air here, you know, be it Chris O'Toole, be it Nick Woj, be it Tony Molina, be it John Worcester, uh, you know, be it my, Danko Jones, the aforementioned Danko Jones. Uh, these are people that I love very much and I talk to every day in some cases uh, or, or most days in some cases. And, uh, I, I very much thank them for coming on and, and doing this show with me every time they do come on and, and do this thing with me. Cause yeah, I'd, I'd love to find a way to pay all these people. That would be a, an unbelievable thing to be able to do. But right now they're just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. And, uh, and there are also people that cheerlead me when, you know, these, these moments where this thing is more of an albatross than a joy. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Buy a shirt at turnitapunk.com. And uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I should talk to. I, I kind of had this heady aspiration. <laughs> I was going to find a way to make this episode kind of the normal length by just droning on and on. It's wild when you listen to a podcast and it's like a one-person podcast and that person can just talk to themselves for, for like an hour and a half like i listen to those things i just in total admiration for their ability to put up with their own voice for that long because oh i'm getting sick of it um uh, yeah i, I guess I, I should run through some of my favorite episodes that's something i normally do on these things but once again it feels weird to do it by myself and have no one to bounce off of i'm sure i'll do i'm gonna ask chris o'toole to do something with me and probably Tristan too. And, you know, 
get you know, maybe there'll be some more episode 400 festivities but i gotta get on to these episodes we got so many wild episodes in the tank right now with a lot of interesting people and uh yeah they gotta they gotta come out because i'm recording more this week it's wild it's just so much okay okay i'm not gonna make this to the uh the 40 minute mark which is was my goal <laughs> i'm gonna get it here i think uh thank you everyone for supporting this podcast it means the world to me that you listen to this thing and enjoy this thing and support this thing and uh thank you to everyone on the patreon and you deserve better and you will get better um thank you to everyone that comes to a show that fucked up plays and, you know, says something about the podcast. Nice about the podcast. Uh, Oh, and, and, and thank you to fucked up because, you know, they, they put up with me doing the podcast more Jonah who has to share a room with me, you know, and continues to, (laughs) to put up with my shit all these years later. So thank you, Jonah. And Jonah's also helping me with some audio stuff too. And Wei Ting, Wei, my buddy Wei from Post, for thanks for the help over the years on all this stuff. I'm trying to draw this out, but I'm I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to even. Well, maybe maybe another thirty seconds, another thirty seconds. Um, no, I can't do it. All right, sit back, relax, and enjoy Fred Armisen. For a, uh, you know, he called me and I, <laughs> he called me and said, "How you doing tonight?" And I said, I've been better. And that's how we started this thing. So enjoy. And thank you, Fred, for uh, always picking up the phone and being willing to do this shit. Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show again. My my pleasure always. If there was a way I could be on every day, (laughs) not not to make everyone else, you know, have to go through uh, hearing me, but it's more that I get so much enjoyment from this and, and getting to see you and hear you that I could do this every day. Well, that, that means a lot. And I got to say, like, you are, you know, without question, whenever time I reach out to you to do something stupid like this, you're always like, tell me when. And I really, oh, yeah. it means a lot. It means, oh, it good. means a ton. And stuff. Oh, great. Well, it means a ton to me as well. So. <laughs> well, and, and then I'm never at a loss for questions for you because yeah. I think like, one thing that's evolved, and I brought this up last time you were on the show too, but one thing that's kind of evolved is my understanding of, you know, uh, the the significance of hardcore and punk in your life yeah. at different times. As And I'm inferring this from things you've been involved with, other people you've played with and things yeah. like that. But it's yeah. just something where, you know, when we first, when I first heard about it, it's like, oh yeah, Fred Armisen used to play drums in Trenchmouth. And then it's like, oh, that's cool. And then understanding, I think, Trenchmouth's place in music a lot better yeah. now. And yeah. uh, in turn, understanding your place in music a lot better now. You know, like it really is, uh, yeah, you, 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 just, you become more and more a hero to me each time we talk. Oh, that's really nice. And uh, you've, you've always been a hero to me. And I think I'm also learning more about uh, Trenchmouth's significance in, in that scene. Only because when we were in it you know all we could see was like um our ambition like the stuff that we wanted and now that uh when damon and i talk and and when wayne and i talk 
we have like a new uh, appreciation for it and and how hard it was because like there was so much um different kind of punk happening like like the sort of really melodic stuff which is great um and now i see our our battle as really different and now i feel better about it so i don't feel like oh man it was hard now i feel like oh i'm so glad that we made music like that i'm so glad that it wasn't easy to listen to it wasn't easy to play i'm glad that the time signatures were weird and and now I'm, I, it actually feels less sweaty now when i hear it 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 feels more natural not that we were trying to to be anybody else well i think that's the thing is it's you know hardcore and punk you know the bands that are pushing it to different places are never really appreciated at their time because right. you know they're pushing it to a new place that people aren't necessarily ready for but you kind of need a band to do that you know and you need a band to kind of like need to be somewhere that people have to catch up to at some point yeah i <clears throat> i agree i mean i credit the other guys too because i remember early on you know the 90s was like the idea of funk was very accepted and <clears throat> there were times where on a set list and this is early on i'd be like well, we'll do that one song that's like slightly funky and i remember those guys being like we're done we're done <laughs> we're not going there anymore and I, I mean i followed along but it certainly wasn't my decision and they were right they were right yeah. to be like this is we're going to steer way left from and we kept going left from there even more and more and then it just it just yeah it, it went down whatever you know tunnel that is and i i really credit those guys yeah like it really is a uh you know a testament to like you know where a band can kind of take things you know like yeah. it, it's it's also fascinating to kind of look at the band as being this sort of connection between um dc chicago and minneapolis and like these yeah. three really different scenes but yeah. a band that's out of step enough that you kind of fit into all three at the same time is not really fitting into any one at one specific yeah. place and, and luckily we got to be in all three of those places how nice that we had a van and we we were in dc often and minneapolis all the time and obviously chicago so that that's yeah that's a really um i'm really glad about that too when did you like we talked about this kind of before a little bit but like was there a specific moment where you knew i gotta do comedy like this is something i gotta oh yeah oh yeah it's because of the ease of how things happened so uh a little bit after trench mouth after we broke up i was gonna go play at south by southwest with you mentioned um, John Langford from the Mekons, and I was going to play. I was drumming, filling in for someone there, and I had a, a, a couple other things to do. And then, you know, South by Southwest is like I, my my wife at the time was like helped me get like a video camera, and we just started videoing me interviewing bands as different characters. I would play different characters, and. A friend of mine edited it all together and it became this this like vhs this is 1998 you know me interviewing bands it was like a comedy it was like a 20 minute video at south by southwest and pre-internet it sort of made the rounds 
Like I would make copies of it, give it to people. And then someone wrote an article about it in, uh, in Chicago, um, the Chicago Reader. And then I did a screening of it. So the screening was at Lounge Acts. So between the article and the screening, all of a sudden there was all this momentum around, uh, let's watch this video. I presented it, I said a few things and then we showed it. And a lot of people turned out for it. And that moment that immediately was more than, you know, more press than Trenchmouth was getting. And um, it feels unfair to compare the two, but I just remember at the time going, that was easy. That was easy. I didn't do anything. And all of a sudden, me doing comedy is already something more um, uh, like concrete than being in a band, being a drummer in a band. <clears throat> and then I did the same thing in San Francisco, in New York, LA. I started going to clubs and just showing this video. Do you have a projector? I'll say a few things in the beginning and people turn out for it. And it was an immediate thing from then on. Uh, you know, companies were asking me to do thing, little things for them, just little things, you know, videos, will you do a video for our band? And um, I was, you know, pretty quickly doing that as, as my occupation. Do you think that was like, you know, the, the impetus to do this video, like to kind of take this step into comedy, is that by virtue of being in Chicago? Like, do you think you would have made the same choice if you had stayed in DC and, been kind of like at the same crossroads because like Chicago has such a amazing comedy scene. Maybe DC does. Maybe I'm just oblivious to the DC. No, no, I was, I was still disconnected from the comedy scene. Like I didn't even know that I was doing comedy. Mm. I was just frustrated with the idea of, uh, if you go to this festival, which is a great festival, but there were seminars about, <clears throat> about how your band can make it, um, you know, getting radio airplay, you know, they had it on the schedule, you know, let's have us talk to these, um, you know, panelists about how can my band get their video out there. And I think I was frustrated having been in Trenchmouth. I was like, there's no way, there's no answer. There's no like quick way to get all these things. And I was just a frustrated drummer. So I thought something in there was like, let me just, I don't know, make fun. Let me just have fun. You know, I wasn't making fun of the bands. I was just sort of goofing around with them. Mm. And somewhere in there, it just turned into what seemed like comedy. It was just, you know, it was, it was like a version of comedy. It's, it's funny when you think about that festival as being something that's still catered to musicians and to music. And now it's like obviously morphed into something completely different where yeah. obviously there's still a lot of music involved, but it's like, you know, I can't imagine the workshop being involved with it still. I'm sure there are, but I just think yeah. it's, it's no longer, you know, like it's not a giant Dorito machine in the middle of no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, to uh, answer your question also, if I was in DC, wherever I was, I think I would have done the same thing. I think I would have been just as frustrated. And it's, you know, this isn't anything, I'm not saying anything against South by Southwest, because the irony is, that's where I ended up going for me to start my career. So that even though I was making fun of panels, that videotape is what set me off into doing comedy. Oh yeah, and we, and we, and fucked up wouldn't have broken in any way. Like not that we broke, but like we wouldn't have even achieved what we achieved if it wasn't for South by Southwest. Like that was. It's such, a, it's such a weird thing. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. Like it, it actually works. Yeah, and it yeah. worked. Well, then I think that's the thing is like 
unfortunately it's not going to work for the bands that are paying that fee so they can go and sit in that room and hear yeah. about how it's going to work for them if they follow these steps because that's yeah. not what you do you do what you know you go down there and make a video you go down there yeah. and, and and make it your own thing because all the world's attention's on that place for one weekend yeah yeah and it does i mean it does they do a good job of curating bands i mean they do book a lot of bands and that's something it's also a great place I, oh, you know, it's amazing I still, it's a great place to be it's like a nice destination it's march you know it's cold everywhere else you go down yeah southwest. Kind of, there is some and also how, how about that it's lasted this long yeah it's pretty crazy because like i talked to stephen page and he said that they just kind of couldn't get in like had no way in as a canadian band back then so they just went and busked on the street and took every gig they could get and kind of you know the same sort of thing like you just went down there and you just kind of you kind of make your own success yes which is that's it's a good you know muscle to you know exercise just making it your own but i think it's also like you know like what's the plan prior to doing the tape like i'm going to find another gig as a drummer i'm going to become no. like a i don't know it really was like here's a video camera let me try making videos I, I have no idea i have no idea what my plan was but it kept going another band would agree to do an interview or i'd think of another character you know a german character or something and suddenly i just had all these just it just i had all this content i had all this video and it was it just it just happened you know so that's what i mean like there, i didn't have to like convince anybody i didn't have to like i'm trying to make this video please help you know i gotta get out there it really was a little bit of ah oh, this seems fun i'm playing drums here anyway let me see if i could goof around with people and have fun and, yeah. and, and all of a sudden i had 20 minutes worth of tape yeah i find myself at that crossroads constantly where i'm like yes. is this the point to kind of like pivot and do something else and not and i don't think i'm going to make a tape that's going to break me into comedy but is there like is there like a moment to get out you know like i think that's you know always the you never want to stay too long on stage right and agreed, so agreed you know so what's that moment and everyone's got their own moment you know so what's that moment for me where i'm supposed to get out and i'm supposed to figure out what's next and i think that's like the uh the sort of Democles that kind of hangs over, I guess, every sort of performer's yeah. head at a certain point. Yeah. And some people don't get out. Some people keep nope. going, you know, doing whatever it was they were doing, but like, that's the most exciting part of anybody's career. I think I like watching it in other people and other bands. I love seeing that happen. And I think everything I've done has been that way. Like, uh, I don't mean to make it about me, I, you know, but I'm just saying that like, um, Portlandia was that. Me and Carrie had no idea what we were doing. We 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 had no ambition, no goal. It was just let's make some sketches. We're having fun together. I have you know let's do them in Portland. And so everything, I I like it when things end because then you're forced to be in this, you know, what is this next thing going to be? I mean I I wish for it for you know the rest of my life. Those moments of like. What's the scary thing going to be that's next? Yeah, I think like the, you know, and it's funny because I talked to this guy one time who was like, a, he was uh, the tour accountant for Green Day and Metallica. Yeah. And he was talking about his decision not to have children and how that was for him a, a, a very strategic choice he made. 
because he knew that he could never live his life the way he was going to live it. And Mm. I kind of like, am now in this point where I painted myself in this corner where Mm. (laughs) how do you, how do you take that risk without Mm. now I'm making it all about me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now venting on my insecurities on you, but, um, I just, I find it like, like you're saying, it's, there's something thrilling about it, but there's also something really terrifying because there are, there are stakes. Yes. And it does. And it also won't, you know, it won't necessarily go the way you think it won't, might not be as easy as you think. Uh, and then also like losing the comfort of what you've always done. I mean, that's really, that's the scary part, the comfort zone of this is just what I do. But then what, on the other hand, when I see it in others, when I see that there's someone's just going through the motions or something, I, it's just, I feel like that's not for me. I'm not judging what they do, but for me, I, you know, I want something different. Well, I don't want to leave it on a downer because <laughs> no, uh, wait. no, it's positive. It's positive. <laughs> yeah, it's positive. It is definitely positive. It's definitely positive. But I mean, like the, uh, I feel like I, I brought you down. I feel like I brought you into this mood as soon as you called, I was no. like, and you're like, how's your day? And I all of a sudden gave you the truth. Yeah. I was like, oh man. I like it. I prefer that. Like, I like that you're, you know, open with me about how you're feeling just for those who are listening, you know, just regular life stuff, you know, all the regular yeah. life challenges and death and all that stuff. That's just part of everybody's life. And, uh, but it's better that than, you know, faking our way through it and just saying everything's groovy. But it, it, on the other hand, like, everything is groovy and that like yeah. me and you were talking to each other on this yeah. nice afternoon and you know it it does help me even talking through this stuff you know i don't it's not like i think about this stuff all the time so if you know as as you're asking me about trench mouth and south by southwest i'm like it's nice to think of it again and think about um like the good possibilities in life yeah well and it's just it's you know, I talked to Damon um, and he was like, oh, you should ask Fred about, you know, what the name of, you know, I was asking some random, totally obscure question yeah. about some weird thing on one of the skiing records. Yeah, He's yeah. like, oh, you should ask Fred uh, about this fact too, you know, and see if he remembers. And I'm like, yeah. man, you guys have lived so many lives since this like little window in time that's crystallized perfectly, you know, and I can revisit it and it's special to the people that experience that music. But when you think about that in terms of like someone's life, like we're talking about like a five year span. Yeah. And really intense. We really lived with each other and, you know, it's just the four of us. And like, we believed in it like a religion. Like this was, it was not like, this is our little side hobby. It was like a religion. Like we really tore it everywhere. And we played with all our might and it always mattered. And I like that we thought to like, let's dress alike. Let's mm-hmm. make it so that we're all dressed alike. And um, I don't know. I, I When I look back at pictures, I'm like, that to me, I'm like, that still looks pretty good. I'm like, I, I'm not embarrassed about how that picture looks. No. And, and, and that, you know, the, the East West record goes for like $300 now on Jeez. Discog. So, you know, like you, you even made investment sense too, not just oh, musical wow. sense, investment sense. <laughs> it's like proto NFTs or something. Wow. <laughs> Um, I, I wanted to ask you just before I let you go about that Grant Hart photo that yeah. started circulating around yeah. with the two of you in the photo booth. Um, yeah. when did you first meet them? And cause obviously you've, you've toured with Bob now too. 
um, yeah. actually with Bob as part of the band. Yeah. So uh, I was just kind of like, when when did you first become exposed to Husker Du? I um, saw Husker Du at the Ritz in New York on their second to their last tour. Uh, they did like a kind of Christmas tour. Um, and I met Grant Hart there. He was really friendly, really nice. And I, you know, Husker Du are just one of my favorites and I love them so much. And then after they broke up, um, I would see their solo, ver you know, versions of them. But then Grant played at this place, Lounge Axe, where I used to work. So I was just there. And like, as they were loading in, I was just like, there was a photo booth there. I'm like, oh, come take a picture with me. But uh, I love, you know, I love them. And I love Grant and Bob, you know, it just anything having to do with them. I mean, Greg, of course, too. I'm just saying they, they're the ones who put out all those records. But um, I, you know, for me, I'm a drummer. So for me, I was like, wow, a singing drummer who writes beautiful songs. I just identified with them. And I never told Bob this, but like the reason I like Bob's songs too is because then I would, this does not leave this podcast, <laughs> but I would pretend I was Grant singing along when I was listening to records. You know what I mean? Like I could do the Grant parts, you know, as Bob's doing his. That's just, and that's very silly. And by the way, I, was, I wasn't even a teenager. This is in my 20s. But um, uh, yeah, so I got to meet Grant, took a picture of him. And I met him a bunch of times. He was, he was great and I missed him. And now knowing Bob, forget about it. I mean, I, I love that guy. Yeah. It's the solo records, Grant's solo records. Bob's obviously his solo career is incredible yeah. and goes without saying, yeah. but Grant's solo records are also, I think, really underrated, like fantastic records. Agreed. Agreed. A beautiful and artsy mm -hmm. and melodic and just uh, sensitive. They're like sensitive records somehow. Like the, I, I, I just, yeah, I, lo I love all those records. Nova Mob, all that stuff. Well, now I feel we can end it because we ended on a much more positive note, you yeah. know? So there we yes. go. Uh, anytime, Fred, you know, I'm going to unfortunately probably ask you down the line for something else. So I really appreciate this. And anytime you want to come here by your own volition, please okay. know you are always welcome. The answer is always yes. Thank you, Fred, for once again, continuing to put up with my shit and coming on this podcast. It is very much appreciated. And, uh, and that is it. Episode 400. I kind of like it. You know, this is like the glass boys of podcasts. If you're a fucked up fan, that reference probably makes a lot of sense. Uh, that was, uh, though that was a, you know, like glass boys, it remains one of my favorites because, uh, that was a really fun conversation with Fred and it was really cool to be able to open up and just talk like this. I feel you know, a lot of times I kind of get bogged down in the formality of turned out a punk and you hear a very, uh, I don't know, not polished by any stretch of the imagination, but you hear a very, uh, controlled version of myself or a much more controlled version of myself, uh, except for the odd episodes where I'm having a breakdown. I guess you hear it there a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Speaking of fun though, next week on the show, we are back with uh, not even next week on the show later on this week on the show, we are back with brand new fantastic episodes of turn out a punk kicking it off with episode four Oh one. We are going to do it right 
and we're going to do an L.A. Punk Weekend to kick off the uh, 400 series of Turned Out of Punk, starting off with a hero of mine, someone I've always wanted to have on this show, one of the greatest vocalists ever, Alice Bag is here. She was uh, battling COVID, but still, you know, wanted to talk talk punk rock, and we get a an incredible conversation. And I, I, I'm not overstating this when I say this. This is one of the true top people I ever wanted to get on the show. So I am very excited for you to hear this. That is coming up, and uh, once again, in a, in a if the end of the, this weekend, we're doing a LA punk weekend. John Doe part two will also be in this weekend just to give you both of the LA punk weekend things. As I say, we got a lot of stuff on deck. I gotta, I gotta, I clear the tank. We got a lot more people coming on and you know, there's all, these are all good ones. You know, I'm sitting, sitting here with a bunch of aces in my hand. All right. That is it. Remember as always black lives matter. The lives of indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and, and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths or different sexualities or, or it it just, you know, different, it's just a terrible time for bullshit in this world. So, um, get involved, find organizations that are doing positive things in this world. Uh, you know, donate your time, donate your money. If you have, if you can afford it. (laughs) If, if you can afford it, uh, but you know, just help affect that change in the world. People did it once, you know, we can do it again. Uh, this podcast also remains pro choice as fuck. Uh, fuck all that pro life bullshit. Fuck all the fascist bullshit. In the words of pride bull, we want a fascist free society. You know, pride bull knew it. Uh, sign your organ donor cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them anymore. And I've seen, how much it can, how well it's like literally giving someone the gift of life, you know, and, and you don't need those organs by the time you die, you know, where you're dying, right. They take them away from you and you're not going to need them. And so, you know, just sign that card, sign that card, uh, go out there and make your own culture. Cause if I can make 400 plus episodes of this podcast, you can do anything. Believe me. I never thought I would get to this point with doing this thing. Uh, and it just starts with doing the first one. So go out there and, and do something. doesn't have to be a podcast. doesn't have to be a band. doesn't have to be a fanzine. doesn't have to be a record label. doesn't have to be, you know, it could be drawing just pictures for yourself. You know, you don't have to show anyone, but just create something, you know, it can help your mental health. And speaking of helping your mental health, try meditation. I didn't believe in that shit and it worked for me. You know, I, I, I really do believe that, uh, I might be the, the least likely person to ever meditate at one point. And here I am all these years later saying, I'm glad I tried it. Maybe it'll work for you. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't think there's anything more I can do to extend this podcast and, and talk to you more. Uh, yeah, there's really not too much. Uh, but thank you again, everyone, everyone, everywhere. Tear this place down. 
Thank you for listening. I love you. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.